Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. All right, Annie, I've got a question today, and it's really simple. And I think you've already answered it a few times, but I'm going to go ahead. Have you voted for the special runoff in the state of Georgia? Because today, yesterday, and we're going to put the state, today is 12-15 or December 15th, and yesterday started the early voting. Mm -hmm. But have you started voting? Have you started voting? Have you voted? (laughs) (laughs) I have both started and completed my voting process. (laughs) I got my absentee ballot, which I was nervous about because I requested it like literally the day after the general election forever right. ago. And I kept right. checking like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? What if it didn't go through? And everyone's like, no, it's there. It's there. It's coming. So I finally got it. Uh, I got it last Wednesday and I mailed it in on Thursday. There's a ballot drop-off box near me. And I get to see like everybody, there's a pretty long line, people waiting to go vote in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel good. That I'm glad that it's done because I was very concerned about it. And also I know a, a couple a couple episodes is not correct. A, a, a month or so ago, <laughs> um, I was telling that story of how I got that kind of passive aggressive threatening postcard. Right, right. About like, I'm going to check in on your voting record. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, I, got, I got a postcard from a 16-year-old. And she said, you know, I can't vote, so please vote. And here are the issues that matter to me. And I thought that was really sweet. Uh, I was Doesn't that make you feel like, yeah, okay, our future is okay. We're going to be okay. Someone (laughs) someone has taught this person how important it is, and they are ready, and I love that. Uh, Yeah, I have not voted yet. My actual plan is to do so on Thursday because I've after I did the volunteering and watched how it happened and how the long waits, to be fair, Atlanta opened up the stadiums, so it's made it a lot easier and a lot more accessible, so it's going to be a little less because I've already seen people put in, like, it's only taking 15 minutes to go in and out and all that, but yeah. just in case, because uh, the day that I did uh, observe, it was when people would line up right before, like, 30 minutes before it was open, so they already had 60 people in line, so it took two right. hours for them to all get through, so I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's that's not the right. part I want to do, but yes, yeah. I will be, because I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to kind of go out there safe, of course, and get my sticker. I do miss my sticker. I know, I know, I know. Key. But no, I'm going to get it. I, yeah, it's clutch. It is, but sticker. I definitely have started researching a little more. But speaking, and why are we talking about all <laughs> these things, you might ask? Well, we have our friend back, Melody Bray, host of Civic and overall knowledge guru of what is happening with voting and Georgia elections specifically. Um, yeah, and as already, I think you can tell, we do have a special runoff in the state of Georgia, um, and people are still campaigning, and yes, we are still getting, man, I think I had like six pieces of mail yesterday oh, that were all... Yeah. The different the text vote for messages. this. Oh, yes. And you know what? Thank oh. you, people, for the ones that volunteered, <laughs> knowing that this is how they're helping. But man, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Every commercial is like a political ad. You know, not that I get like a lot of commercials, but in between YouTube videos. Yeah, um, it is like, I will play my little uh, phone games. And because I refuse to pay, it gives me the ads. mm -hmm, And half of them have mm -hmm. been like uh, Ossoff or Purdue or Loft. And I'm like, what is is happening? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't imagine. Oh, man, like... I, I'm not. I can't imagine it without it. Now I'm like, what? I feel like it's gonna be a void when that goes away. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so welcome, Melody. Have you been getting yes. all these uh, mail mail pieces as well? Oh my gosh, yeah. I, at, the, <laughs> at one point, I went to my mailbox and I felt like they were about to shut down my mailbox. You know when it gets too full <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they yeah. just like 
put a piece uh-huh. of twine over it because um, <laughs> I hadn't gone in a week. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's what happens when $400 million in ad buys alone come wow. into a single state in a matter yeah. of weeks. It right. gets a little crazy when you're watching Jeopardy, you know? <laughs> it becomes <laughs> all the ads and then a little dash of Jeopardy. You're correct. Um, and I would say, I would hope that eventually if your mail had stacked up like that, someone would come and check and make sure you weren't dead. <laughs> I can you yeah. do it? Please? I mean, I, are well, you, I'm not the are mail you person. Gonna say you're gonna do that for me? Well, I'm not the mail person. I'm not gonna know if your mail overflows. Samantha is my old lady. Yeah, I am. She's Annie's my old lady contact. Though. Though, we're so we're text like once a day. Where we're like still alive, cool. Yeah, I already told everyone if Peaches, my dog, has the chance to eat my face off, that means someone hasn't checked up on me, and I'm mad at everyone. I'm gonna haunt everyone. Yeah. How dare you allow that to happen? As you should. Positive. This has gotten really dark. This has gotten really dark. Yeah, really quickly, really Um, dark. (laughs) So uh, just kind of making a quick review of what is happening in the state of Georgia. Um, We've had many, many people coming through and campaigning. VP Pence has come through, uh, went to do a rally for the Republican incumbents. And of course... Biden is here Even today, though, right now. Yeah, Biden is coming through, <laughs> yep. who has officially been, uh, again, for the fifth time, <laughs> I don't know, announced as the 17. elected president or a... Uh, Elected president, is that what it is? President electoral college. Thank you. This is such a weird. President elect. (laughs) Yeah, as president elect. I'm going with the other way. As president elect, um, even Mitch McConnell has congratulated them as well. Uh, But of course, we have had the two recounts and the original count. Uh, We've had the electoral votes uh, being counted, but we have another lawsuit. I believe I saw for another recount, a third recount, which is. That's right. Uh, and even the Georgia State <laughs> Supreme Court, after the Supreme Court was like, no, we're not leaving the list. We don't want to hear this. This is just being dismissed. Don't even bring it to us. The Georgia State uh, Supreme Court overturned it and denied it as well as of this week, I think. Was it this week? Yeah. It, and, and the one that's here in Georgia is up in our state court of appeals. But the, the thing that people aren't even really paying attention to, I feel like, on those cases is that the cases are being filed by non like elections lawyers. They, it's the equivalent of if your 13-year-old watched a lot of Matlock and decided that they wanted to be a lawyer, (laughs) copy and pasted some things from Wikipedia and then just Mm. loaded them up into a helicopter and (laughs) dropped them over random courts. It's the typos, uh, you know, as an attorney, the amount of procedural issues that are in these cases. Right. No court has actually ruled on anything that any of them are saying. They're all like, please pay the filing fee. Yeah. Like, literally. Okay, yeah. we can't, we, you, you can't do this. Right. Um, all of it. So hopefully this will come to an end sometime soon. And if it doesn't, it will certainly come to an end on January 20th. Right. But you know, there's a whole conspiracy theory, and I'm not going to get too into it, about the fact that they're waiting till that point oh, yeah. to have... And, I, and again, this is a tweet that I read, but it was within this whole Reddit of uh, what's happening and how they're trying to uh, have a big victory at the end. And I say they being the Republican Party, Trump Party, uh, saying that the president of the Senate, I swear to God, that's how they said it, uh, was going to come in and vote them out and do the alternative electoral votes and say those were the established votes and those are the real votes and will announce that President Trump will be running the country again, will actually come back and being the elected official when it's mm. actually mm. the day he's supposed to be sworn in, when Biden is supposed to be sworn in. Have you heard of these? 
Um, no. <laughs> it's <laughs> because phenomenal. I don't live in Republican fever dreams. Um, <laughs> that's just no. not, that's just not a, a real thing. <laughs> so it's become like, and, and we're not going to talk too much more, but I just find it so fascinating because I guess we're in the thick of it because that's one of the big questions of what we're talking about is if Georgia were to actually have a runoff and both of the Democratic candidates were to win, which is the big ifs, um, it would flip the Senate, which would be shocking um, in a lot of ways. But that whole idea that these people who are hanging on to these fraud election theories are moving on from it was stolen, it's going to be changed, the Supreme Court's going to change it, oh, no, they didn't do it, okay, so-and-so's, like, it, it becomes a bigger, bigger mm-hmm. fantasy of how they're going to win out in the end. And it's such a weird, like, wow, I don't know, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm maybe that I didn't pay attention, maybe I didn't pay attention as much, but I don't remember this level of conspiracy theories in past elections. No. Did I just not pay attention? No. I mean, in, in modern times, I, I can't speak to, you know, things that went down in, in the 1800s. But in modern <laughs> times, this is... And you can talk about, like, the proliferation of conspiracy theories because we are also internet-based now. Like, it yeah. is rife for this type of fodder. Right. Crazies can find crazies now. Oh, and they have their own websites. We saw this. Uh, but yeah, and speaking of all this, kind of, can you kind of uh, give us a rundown on what happened in Georgia with the presidential election? Yeah, so um, presidential side, <laughs> uh, Biden eked it out by uh, about 13,000 votes. Um, our uh, 16 electoral votes uh, went in yesterday officially with Stacey Abrams announcing it, um, that Georgia is going for Biden. Um, and so the idea that we, as a very Southern state, um, decidedly went blue, and 13,000 13, is, I mean, it's close, but it's not so close that it triggered thoughts that maybe if they did recounts, something mm-hmm. would happen. So that's what I mean by, you know, by a good enough margin. Right. Um, I mean, that's historic. Like, right. we just lived through a, a moment in history. The question, you know, will this next cycle in two years from now or four years from now still hold? Right. That's an open question based on what's going on down ballot. But the idea that Georgia, in the middle of all these other red states, including Florida, Mm-hmm. Uh, went for Biden is huge. Right. And I will say, I watched the video, I think like three or four times of uh, Stacey Abrams counting that last electoral vote and everybody <laughs> clapping. And I was like, I'm just going to bathe in this moment. I, this is, yep. I just want to be here. <laughs> Can we just make <laughs> this? Here. I just want to live right here because it was such a nice, like to see the official official, to see Stacey Abrams at the at the podium, like all of those things just felt so right, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the lack of better terms. I mean, it's rare that in a short period of time you see somebody vindicate themselves almost. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. her, for her to be the person who did so much of the work to put Georgia in that position, to then be the one to make the vote and announce it. Right. Um, it's, just, it's just a cool, I'm sure it was a cool experience for her. It's so amazing. Yeah. And, and going off of that... Um, because she's been in a lot of the, the you know national conversation about how how did this happen in Georgia? Um, what do you think? Why is it that Georgia, um, if not is blue, then at least is purple now? 
Yeah, I mean, I do shy away from saying that Georgia is blue. I say it voted blue for president, but when you look down the rest of the ticket, it was very red. (laughs) So um, we're a purple state. And for those who paid attention to politics here, that wasn't necessarily a surprise. Um, There were, uh, you know, there is a, for instance, Cobb County, which is a little north of Atlanta. It's still part of our metro Atlanta area that for decades was a firm red bastion of like a Republican stronghold. Um, and Stacey Abrams was able to take that uh, in 2016, uh, sorry, in 2018, um, as like kind of the canary in the, the mine saying, there is a sea change coming if one of the whitest, historically white counties in the metro Atlanta area is now going to vote for a Democratic Black female. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a big deal. We've had some major demographic changes that could push us toward uh, going blue down ticket, but it's still an open question whether Ossoff and Warnock really will be able to pull this off, particularly in a runoff context. But Republicans come out mm-hmm. for runoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire reason the runoff rule exists is because. Uh, the Republican Party said, we don't want Black candidates to win things, so we're right. going to make sure that we create this rule to give our folks a second bite at the apple. Um, so it's, it's an uphill battle for both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even think about that with the runoffs because it, it, didn't, it didn't make sense to me completely. I'm like, why does it have to be 50%? I don't quite understand that, but okay, this is how it's been. So I didn't even question that is a thing. Um, and, you know, you're talking about Cobb County. When you look specifically, it has changed drastically. The demographics obviously has changed drastically mm-hmm. with the fact that way back when, when we lost our original House member, is it House? Yeah, original House member, and he went to work for Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the special runoff with Karen Handel and John Ossoff, and Ossoff lost to Handel, but then she lost to Lucy McBath, who right. was one of the first black women to be able to be in Cobb County like that to represent, and she won again mm-hmm. at this re- recent election, thank goodness. Um, and her whole platform has been based on uh, gun control because her son's death in Florida, which is an amazing story in itself. I remember just thinking when she won, that was one of the most biggest victories, one of the biggest victories that I was like, wow. Things are changing in Georgia uh, to see that she had actually won. Because I, especially in Cobb County, because areas, if I remember correctly, they have a law that if you're a landowner, you have to own a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So if you read the policy to be a landowner in Cobb County, you were supposed to own a gun. Like that's automatic, I guess, to defend your property. I don't, I don't know. So that was a whole other. It was thing. a different time, <laughs> but it still exists. I guess, yeah, it still exists though. That's, yeah, I just yeah. had a recent uh, a coworker who a while ago bought the house like a year ago in that area, and he was like, Samantha. Let they me just tell gave you what is gave him a like, gun at the closing table. Yeah. Like, here you go. <laughs> He's Comes ex-military, so it wasn't so unusual for him to have a gun, but he was just like, this is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Why are they making people have guns? Wow. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, I don't think they enforce that, but whatever. But yeah, um, one of the biggest platform was Bombs Demand Action. That con- that uh, nonprofit group really pushed for her because she was such a big proponent for gun control, violence against children, um, gun deaths, for black men, essentially, that that was happening. And her story was so personal. But it's like organizations like that that we have seen make big changes, again, in Georgia. Can we talk about some of the organizations? Like um, I, like we've mentioned them before, New Georgia Project, 
which was started by Insei Ufot, uh, Fair Fight Action, which is a Stacey Abrams. Uh, she had kind of started creating that. Mehente, uh, which is Tanya Unsuete, Asian American Advocacy Fund, uh, Galea, which is the Georgia Association of Latina Elected Officials. And that's just a few, a small mm-hmm. handful of some, some of these organizations. Can we talk about how they've made an impact? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Georgia has a deep kind of history of being a grassroots, uh, that's how we do politics here. Mm -hmm. I would also say in Atlanta specifically, that's why Atlanta has so many Black representatives um, at the local level and then at the state level. Um, So they are kind of living into that legacy. Mm -hmm. And those organizations, they didn't pop up this cycle. You know, they've been hitting the ground And in the before times when we could knock on doors, you know, they've been knocking doors for cycles now um, and building an online presence and building an in-person coalition. So to essentially be put, have all the stars align Mm -hmm. with the the Trump effect, um, motivating people to volunteer more and those groups already positioning themselves to then kind of just drop those volunteers in, mobilize them and get them out, that effectively provided the opportunity for Biden to win here. And to me, I mean, there's no science behind this necessarily, but, you know, <laughs> I was I was definitely involved in the get out the vote effort and on the overall conference calls, I would say 98% of the people on the call were women mm-hmm. or uh, or identified as women. Right. Um, and a lot of women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of organization, the level of communication, the level of collaboration, mm-hmm. removing ego and saying like, hey, let's split up geographic regions. If both of us are kind of playing in the same sandbox, you take the right, I take the left, and let's divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. I attribute that a lot to women of color seeing we have something, a goal that mm-hmm. we all need to achieve. Right. How can we work together to make this happen? Right. It, 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 to me, it was a beautiful thing, particularly in the middle of a pandemic with such a mm-hmm. lack of relation and connectedness mm-hmm. to be able to connect with, you know, women who look like me um, was just a wonderful thing to be able to take part of. Right. And it is. It's, it's, you're correct in saying that this is not a new thing. This is, even though they are now finally getting recognition, they're actually being called out by name and being recognized as the leaders of this, finally. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been around, which is kind of why the last election went as smoothly as it did. Um, and we're seeing where some of the current representatives and some of the current uh, administration are because it worked too well and got a lot of people out mm-hmm. there. And we um, just kind of give a few facts uh, for the state of Georgia. There were more than 5 million voters, which is a million more than 2016. And there were 7.2 million registered voters. So there's a big gap on who actually voted versus who was registered to vote. That's a big conversation in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still was an increase, which was 6.6 million registered in 2016. Um, and I think that's really phenomenal to look at those numbers, about how much of that increase. And it's because of these grassroots organizations, um, not only communicating with people, like you were saying, knocking on doors, and people have been knocking on doors, and I'm like, eh, don't come to my door, I get it. Still <laughs> pandemic, I'm scared. Um, but it's an amazing thing to see that they're 
doing this, but they're also bringing awareness to closed voting polls, um, areas that might have issues with name and cards and knowing your rights and how to report these things. Like our, the last election before the presidential election was a mess. <laughs> I mean, Especially for yes, the state of Georgia. The definition of a cluster. Um, <laughs> Right, and that's kind of how you uh, and your organization, Georgia 55 Project, came about, correct? Yeah, I mean, we started as just individuals who saw um, the issue of folks being in line and like, I'm going to get some of my friends and go to Costco and buy food and drink and bring it to folks so that they don't feel like they need to, you know, get out of line. And some of the other women were doing the same. And in a very, you know, 2020 millennial fashion, like we were connected on Instagram of people mm-hmm. like, hey, you should check right. out these folks and combine resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the June primary, which literally the last person in line uh, in June that we served, they got out of line at 1241 a.m. Yeah. It just, that's, wow, just unacceptable. Right. Mm-hmm. After that, we were like, well, nothing is going to change between June and November. Right. Uh, So maybe we should try and figure out how to either get people out of line Mm -hmm. or prepare to be able to serve people in line. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what the Georgia 55 Project does. Right. And that's exactly what we saw. It actually allowed for a public spotlight and kind of like a shaming factor of Georgia. Mm -hmm. Hey, get it together. This is what's happening. And unfortunately, we're seeing similar tactics happening with uh, Cobb County, as we were talking specifically, which is a very like battleground county, if that can be a thing as well, because they have shut down several of the polling places. Um, I think the number initially was a lot higher than uh, what is actually happening. Yeah, they cut the number by half, um, but and issued a list, which was uh, had four locations that were in North Cobb, um, Mm -hmm. traditionally the wider, more affluent area, and only a single location in South Cobb. Um, And the Georgia NAACP put them on blast. And uh, within a day and a half, they restored the remaining polling locations. Right. Um, So now they have a full a full gamut of early voting locations right. again. And so with that, do you think it's because of the actions like that, because of the way they are making sure that they're not only holding people accountable, but actually taking them to the courts, um, that they're finally in the spotlight, that like grassroots organizations are finally in the spotlight? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a combination of, um, right now, election coverage is the thing, you right. know? So... Uh, there's a lot of journalists. I mean, we had people contacting us from foreign countries wanting to talk about Georgia's elections, which <laughs> is, is just bizarre. I'm like, you know, we're not the Republic of Georgia. This is just a state <laughs> um, in the South. But so I think that that is one aspect of it. Uh, but I do believe that the reason that November 3rd here in Georgia, I believe the average wait time was about three minutes across mm-hmm. the state, which is a Massive difference from the last right. person getting out of line in June at 12.41 a.m. Right. Um, because put, being nationally put on blast from all the outlets right. makes people, even though our Secretary of State is a Republican, he also wants to keep his job. Right. You know, there is an incentive there uh, to not be, you know, publicly shamed. So I think that there is an aspect of that of just the news coverage, but... The role of 
a group like Fair Fight Action, for instance, like people know of them, of a get out the vote. But for those of us attorneys, we know that they're the ones, along with the Georgia NAACP, really driving a lot of these court cases mm-hmm. or cases that are filed suing the state mm-hmm. uh, for helping voters. They right. are coming in alongside the defense side and right. filing what's called amicus briefs and um, trying to provide as much support as possible for voters here in Georgia. Right. We do have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. We're back. Thank you, sponsor. And what are some of the other things that these grassroots organizations do? And then... Also, why is fundraising so important? Mm, well, fundraising into that. I mean, we, you started at the beginning saying you couldn't even get to the mail in your mailbox, right? right. But those things are hella expensive, particularly the more targeted. Um, and ad buys are even more than that. And for these small little grassroots organizations, I mean, these people, a lot of them, this is not their full-time job. This is not even their jobby job. Like, this is just, (laughs) they care about the issue and they're doing this on a volunteer basis. And so they're either paying for this stuff out of pocket or uh, they're going to have to fundraise for it. So for instance, you know, right now, um, I'm working with a group called Rides to the Runoffs and Mm -hmm. they're trying to provide one-to-one, almost like an Uber service uh, for folks who are, don't have transportation or have accessibility issues to get them to the polls. Well, to get people wheelchair accessible vans, mm-hmm. that costs money. Mm-hmm. So this small grassroots org is trying to raise money in order to be able to uh, rent those vans to get people who are in wheelchairs to the polls. Like right. So to me, that's just such a it's such a compelling reason to give money to these organizations. Right. They are doing the work and they shouldn't be expected to pay for this out of their paychecks. Right. It's just a ton of money that's right. being flown around in Georgia right now. Uh, and for an organization like, like Georgia 55, for instance, since we don't have any overhead on these grassroots organizations, the money just goes a lot farther right. as well. Right. Yeah, and then some of the things that they do are stuff like voter registrations and um, being set up in different places, which I can't imagine. I think we, we talked about it before, doing this, like, when I'm saying people coming to knock, I'm like, don't come to my house. <laughs> There's a pandemic happening. But the fact of the matter is it, it has to happen because mm-hmm. people don't have accessibility to be able to know even how to fill out registration cards half the time or registration forms to be able to vote. Right, or not knowing that, oh, I thought... I already requested an absentee ballot. You mean I have to request one again? Like I figured they would, you know, in Florida, they send it to you automatically, for instance. Uh, Once you request once, the request keeps rolling. If people don't know that, Mm -hmm. and they're sitting there waiting for their ballot and they don't get it. So we were effectively forced to go door to door. And when you're going door to door with materials in hand, like those materials cost money uh, to be able to do. Um, Voter registration, voter education of informing people on um, absentee ballot requests and how to do that. Early voting information, like we'll set up in historically disadvantaged neighborhoods and uh, effectively just being a resource for people out there Mm -hmm. um, 
to ask any and every question that they that they have. Uh, and then providing people with some substantive things like rides to the polls. All of those things cost, they cost money. Right. Uh, and the amount that your listeners, I'm sure, you know, have been contributing, I'm just going to go ahead and say, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> because we need everything we can get here in Georgia. Right. right. Um Oh, you were talking a little bit about uh, this previously about how you had worked at the MARTA station. I love that story so much. Can you you tell us? Um, So MARTA is our public transit um, system here in the metro. And we set up a table every day or we have uh, since June or a little bit after June uh, that provides that voter education to people. And it's the same folks week to week. So people begin to become familiar with our volunteers and with our signage. So they might come one week and ask a question, fall into like, oh, this internet hole and can't find an answer. They come back the next week because they know us now and ask this right. question. So this one man who um, was in his mid-60s had never voted before. And the initial interaction with him was, what's your plan to vote? And he was like, I'm not voting because what does it matter? Things don't change. I'm 60-something years old. I've never voted in my life. You know, what's the point? And after building up a rapport with our volunteers, this man ended up registering to vote and voting for the first time ever in his 60s in this Mm -hmm. election. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here in Georgia, in most states, you get like that little vote sticker that says I voted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was so proud of, you know, voting that he would just wear, transfer that sticker <laughs> from clothing to clothing. And each time he would pass by the table, this little wrinkled sticker would be on his shirt. And, so, you know, he would come by and say hello and then go catch his train to go to work. Right. The pride of that man is the right. reason that these grassroots organizations exist. It's the one-to-one contact with a voter and that personal connection that can motivate people to do something that they otherwise wouldn't have. Oh, I love that story. And I'm like, yes, that sticker is really important. I agree with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean, true. Why else? I want my know? sticker. I want my sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I have like a little bookcase that I stick them all on. Yeah. By the way, Annie, we we do have vote stickers for people who did absentee because we know <gasps> that the sticker is the part of the deal. So I will get you an I vote by mail sticker. Yeah. Oh, can I have one from my last one too? And I don't want to be left mm. out. I no, guess. she just said no. <laughs> no. That's about right. That's about right. <laughs> Don't get spoiled, Samantha. <laughs> We're bum, just bum, talking bum. about how important these materials are. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that ship has sailed. <laughs> Too bad. Um, so there's always been this history of, of Black women working in these grassroots organizations and working in politics and working to change things. And it seems like in this election, um, people are listening. Why do you think that is? And do you think that's going to stay? Mm. Loaded question. I mean, yeah, I mean, that is a, a great question. I, the, the optimist in me argues with the realist in me a lot mm-hmm. and definitely does on that question as well. You know, we're, we're talking about being in the middle of a pandemic, um, being quarantined, a lot of us, having a lot more of our attention on this election and therefore on the people who are working in it. 
And so my worry is that we uh, suddenly believe that all of a sudden Black women are being heard and respected when in actuality, it's just they spoke when no one else was speaking. Mm-hmm. So my question would be, you know, in two years on the next cycle, when everything's back to normal, when we're all out at restaurants and concerts and festivals and all these things, and they're still speaking, will we give them the chance to cut through the noise right. and listen at that mm-hmm. time? Um, so it's it's clear to me that it, we're listening right now, even with, you know, all the the racial upheaval over the summer as well, providing a backdrop for it. But I just don't know whether that will be sustained. Um, And the realist in me says that out of comfort comes complacency. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to answer that question, Annie. That's, (laughs) that's That's the bottom line. Like, I feel like we need to have another conversation, you know, in 12 to 18 months to see what's going on. When the next Black man gets shot in the streets, are we still marching? Right. Because the last one who just did, there was no marches. Right. Already. And we're still in a pandemic. Like, I feel it winding down. Right. But that's just me. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and that shooting, uh, the recent shooting, with the gentleman being at the door of his home, having a concealed weapon that he had a license to carry. um, And... No one's really talking about it. It's been kind of silent, uh, except for the Black community. That's what it Mm -hmm. seems like, and Mm -hmm. those near that community. Uh, And it's an unfortunate thing. And and when you look at, and we're not going to get too into it, like the police records of the man who shot him, it's not pretty. Mm -hmm. That dude was fired, I think, once or twice for hostile behavior. I mean, Um, the idea that, like, what I think will happen, and I hope that I'm wrong, but I think that the perceived foe of Trump being ousted mm-hmm. makes people feel like we've won something. Right. And we've right. forgotten that the the actual foe is racism. Right. And we have not won that. Right. That was still here and it will still be here. Right. Um, yeah. It, yeah, and it's absolutely true because in essence, the racism we see and are attributing to Trump, it's not new. No. It's just, they're just louder. No, like it's we just got they're the just being louder. That we deserved, <laughs> right? You know, and I, perhaps you know, folks will at me on that. But we 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 got what was a symptom right. of the illness, right? Um, he is not he is not the problem, right? And that's one of the big questions too. Is I mean, this is a whole other tangent because you're correct, and and even seeing now the performative level of social justice is. Ripe. Um, we're seeing it in Google. We're seeing it in corporations. We're seeing it in all these organizations where they're ousting. They hire black women, but they're slowly ousting them or silencing mm-hmm. them. And we see it. We're reading it. And the only way they're getting any kind of accountability is being called out uh, or called in, I think is the new term. <laughs> so many terms. Um, <laughs> but what all we're also noting is the fact that this whole level of decency normality, which we would think is just politeness, is getting so much praise. And we, we see this. We, we're already like, okay, remember, we have to hold them accountable, A and B. 
Um, and right now, the only people I'm truly seeing is uh, like AOC and Cory Bush who are coming out like, uh-uh, we're, we're not going to play this game. Or we're going to have to check in on the reality. But we're also noting the fact that already, and this is have been happening, that we're excusing behavior such as the Republicans' behavior in allowing this kind of chaos and saying, oh, it's okay, we're going back to normal and we're going to work with them. They're just, they're, they're just caught up in the moment, excusing their behavior, which again is going to have to be, is, which again is erasing the work that many women of color have done through pain, through being stalked, through being harassed. Like you see what's happening. Like Stacey Abrams is still getting harassed. I just saw a post with uh, B. Wynn, who was one of our Atlanta, Georgia House representatives, um, who she went out and blasted uh, the people who are trying to say there's voter fraud and went through like name checking them. It was beautiful. But on her Twitter, people are like, you're an idiot. You're a moron. You're mm-hmm. doing these things and you're mm-hmm. trying to destroy the country. Like, but no one's calling them out. Like, it, it's kind of that level of like, okay, this is the work that's been happening and we're giving credit, pseudo credit, but we're slowly easing back into making the whole work shift back onto women mm-hmm. of color, black women specifically. Like, that's what it seems like. Yeah, for, you know, for folks like B or Stacey, you know, AOC, the like, myself, um, yourself, like, we don't have the luxury of not calling them out because right. we're going to be under some level of threat, whether we do or we don't. Right. You know, it's either going to be an overt threat or a covert threat. Uh, whether we choose to speak up or not. And so the question is, are those folks who are posting black squares on their Instagram, are you truly an ally? Right. And if you are, then you will do more than a blackout on a random Wednesday. Right. Are you actually love lifting or are you just literally being like, well, I'm not as bad as those people. Yeah, or, you know, even... (laughs) So, for instance, listen, I love our volunteers. We have some of the most dedicated super volunteers. Um, But every cycle, when we are wanting to do pop-ups in a historically disadvantaged neighborhood, lots of people of color, there are folks who are all about like, oh, I support Black people. But when you ask them to physically move themselves and Mm -hmm. stand in a Black neighborhood for two hours and Mm -hmm. interact with Black people, Recruiting them to do that is very mm-hmm. different than recruiting them to do the same thing in the white area of town. Right. And that's just a reality of, of, of what it is. Right. Um, so, so telling. It, yeah. And it's, un, and it's unfortunate. I know we've all got to push through in that, in that discomfort. Um, but people of color have had to push through right. in the discomfort of moving into spaces of people who don't look like them their entire lives. Right. We all could do that for two hours right. for the sake of changing the landscape of what our country looks like and providing rights to our brothers and sisters right. who live around us. Right. Oh, man. I mean, this political season has just been... I don't know what's the word. Like, there's moments, so many up and downs. Like, chaos is the only thing I can think of. There's so many emotions ranging <laughs> for this season, specifically in Georgia, because we've seen and been around mm-hmm. and doing so many things. Um, what are some of the things that we do need to pay attention to, and how do you think the or um, how do you think the grassroots organizations will affect this particular election as we are now hitting the early voting stage? 
Sure. Um, So one of the things that's already coming down the pike in Georgia is uh, suppression efforts Mm -hmm. by our state legislature. Um, Because they've realized that an increased voter turnout because of the work of these grassroots organizations, increased voter turnout means that more people who are Democratic or independent vote. And so Mm -hmm. they've already proposed, you know, they get rid of absentee voting unless you have a noted disability, Um, get rid of absentee ballot drop boxes, uh, meaning you have to mail it in and rely on the mail, Um, reduction of early voting days, uh, reducing early voting days on Saturdays so that if you are a working person who has a Monday to Friday job, you would not have an option to vote in person and you'd have to rely on the mail to vote absentee, but only if you're disabled, you know, like just stacking these things up. This is the stuff to look out for. And the key is, and I'm sure this applies in every state in the union, the key is that they are doing this in January when it's not a vote year. Right. Okay. So we've already, when everybody stops paying attention, right, is when they're going to do it. And it's those grassroots organizations who will be ringing the, the alarm bell right. that this is happening, we've got to listen. Right. We've got to listen. Right. And take note of who these folks are so that when they're on the ballot two years from now, our memories are not so collectively short that we forget that they did this to us right. just two years prior. We do have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we have one more quick break for word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, oddly enough, uh, my family knows David Ralston, who is a big Georgia politician. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole other story. Um, (laughs) And he just tried to... This is why it gets uncomfortable at Christmas. Uh, (laughs) But he just tried to pass it where they can overturn the electoral votes. Like, the popular votes can be dismissed. And they could do it for the benefit of the people, quote unquote, is what he said, <laughs> which completely floored me because I was like, wait, so you want to dismiss what people want to say, I know better? Like, essentially, is what you're trying to like, that's, and you really think everyone's going to be okay with this. Well, now, I mean, that's kind of the entire foundation of the Electoral College, right? Right. Like, right. like right. it's not like he's pulling this concept out of a hat. Like, that is <laughs> that is what, arguably, if you're like an originalist or a strict constructionist of how you interpret the Constitution, mm-hmm. the entire system was set up saying, like, us lowly mere mortals don't necessarily know what we're doing. And if we don't, then we've got this fail-safe um, that this electoral college can just take care of what needs to take be taken care of. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I would hope we're past that, mm-hmm. but it would seem that some don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> As so we would seem. see. Um, and, you know, I also wanted to kind of key in on um, what's happening with the January election. And I love this because they are targeting younger voters. Um, as in fact, 20% of Georgia votes were actually casted by voters under the age of 30, which is 3% higher than the national average um, for Biden. And there's an estimated 23,000 possible eligible new voters just turning 18 for the Senate election, which is phenomenal. And we're seeing uh, different strategies 
that yeah. has not come into play until recently, such as using Twitch, um, mm-hmm. the game Among oh, Us. I've yeah. been trying to get kids, people to play with me. All the kids are loving that. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> and some of the influencers are actually like YouTubers and Twitch stars and people I've never heard of. I'm like, who are these people who all mm-hmm. go by uh, screen names, which is a whole other phenomenon in itself. Um, like AOC did a lot of work by talking about how to register to vote, why it's important, but through a video game, essentially. And then in Atlanta in itself versus we had Stacey Abrams, you know, pop up to have a little shout out and talk about how to register to vote for who was it? Was it Gucci? 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 Was it yeah, Gucci, Gucci Mane Man versus uh, who, who was gosh, it? They're like in a fight. The other, yeah, rap. <laughs> we don't call it a fight. We call it a rap a beef. battle. Yeah, beef. No, they had a beef. <laughs> like they were like those people. Were, I remember the text. I love um, or the tweets where people were like, "Oh, there, there might be a fight." Like, like a literal <laughs> fisticuff type of fight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, because they're like, y'all don't understand. They don't like each other. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm all of a these lot organizations, of all of these organizations are really, um, like even New Georgia Project, which you mentioned previously, like they have kind of taken up uh, the mantle of getting out the young vote. And they're all like, they're all up in high schools, high school events, like mm-hmm. doing whatever they can to get that 17 and a half year old voter to the poll. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it is a fantastic tactic because... I remember, uh, and I don't know about y'all, remember voting, and I'm really ashamed for the vote that I casted, but, you know, that was way back when. I changed my mind since then. But <laughs> as an 18-year-old getting my ballot at college and filling it out and yeah. feeling like, oh, this is the adulthood, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and how important it was and the decisions I made, but also not understanding <laughs> everything I was doing, too. But, you know, it, it is it's a whole thing. And to actually be able to have a platform such as Twitch and such as Versus, like all of these things to educate the young voters is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting creative too, you know? Yeah, um, so creative. If it's not on a, a game or on a phone, they're not going to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really true. Yeah. Um, something else we wanted to talk about, you know, it's been a very, very long year. I can't believe it's coming to an end. But something that happened this year was also the census. Oh, man, that thing. I mean, it feels like that was 10 years ago. Well, it was 10 years ago. It feels like it was a really long time ago. (laughs) Um, Why is the census so important? Oh, man. Okay, so uh, the census essentially determines where our country is going to be headed for the Mm -hmm. next decade. Um, Allocation of funds on the state level, which is a biggie. Um, And that allocation constitutionally is supposed to be per person as opposed to per citizen. Mm -hmm. So for, you know, areas of of Georgia that have a massive immigrant population, um, whether they're here legally or illegally, they would still count and the state would still get funded for that. That's why even Brian Kemp, our governor, was advocating for an extension of the census deadline because even he knows his budget is going to is going to be affected by how many people are on that. So that's one big one. Um, Another biggie is congressional districts. Um, How those are drawn are coming up, and that is based on census data. And so, you know, gerrymandering is alive and well, Mm -hmm. and figuring out essentially how to uh, drop people into particular pockets to diminish the value of their vote. Um, the census plays into that. 
Um, and then allocation of, of reps uh, mm-hmm. on the federal level. Um, all of that goes into electoral, like it's just pretty much everything the federal government does where they're allotting, whether it's electoral college, delegates, how many, you know, how much money you get, all of those things come down to the census, which only happens once every 10 years. So if you miss the boat on that, you're just going to have to wait another 10 years and hope for the best. Right. Oh, those are big states on simple things. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I I felt like the census was so short to fill out. For some reason, I was like, this is going to, here I go. I was cracking my knuckles or whatever. And it was like one minute later, I'm like, oh. Oh, all done. (laughs) All done. Yeah. The census was a little bit, like, even the way it was termed, fairly racist. (laughs) How so? Tell me more about that. Well, just kind of like being able to identify. They left a couple of things out. Mm. And even like the terms that we're like, that's kind of outdated, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Just color in all the boxes. Right. You're like, I'll (laughs) be all of these things, I guess. But also, this is like a 1930s term. Can we go ahead and get rid of that one? Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun times. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun times. It yeah. is. Your face says it all, Samantha. So fun. many fun times. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for being here, Melody. Is there anything else you want to add? Like something listeners can do if they're listening to this and like, I want to help. Um, ways they could do that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Those those grassroots organizations, like find one that seems to serve the folks that is closest to your heart, your passion. Um, and support them. That can be monetarily. They're all, they're certainly going to welcome that. But one of the easiest ways is social media. Like a, mm-hmm. a lot of the low hanging fruit for us um, is being able to get the word out on social. And we all know how these algorithms work. The more likes, the more comments, the more shares pushes us up in people's feeds. So like, comment, share. Um, if you're, you know, you're like, man, I'm tapped out on money, but go find Georgia 55 Project on Instagram, go find New Georgia Project and spread the word on their behalf. Um, that's a, a, that's a big way to help. Awesome. Yes. Uh, I love it. And I know our listeners, they're, they're the best. So <laughs> I'll do it. Yes, yes, do it. Um, where can the good listeners find you, Melody? They can find me uh, anywhere that podcasts are listened to. Uh, I have a local Atlanta political podcast called Civic, S-I-V-I-K. And you can also follow Georgia 55 Project at Georgia 55 Project on Insta or Twitter. Sweet. Yes, go do it. Leave a like, comment, do the thing. Do, do the, the thing. thing. <laughs> do the things. <laughs> uh, we look forward to having you back sometime in the future. Uh, and in the meantime, listeners, if you want to contact us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Oh, thanks. And thanks to you for listening. Step on Never Told You's production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Do all the things. <laughs> <laughs>